let's do a little bit in the Parsha. There's a lot of various different things that we could discuss in the Parsha's bow. I also like to mention at the end a little bit about uh, coming up on the 10th day of Shabbat, Yud Shabbat, which is the uh, Yorzeit of the uh, previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. It's also the day that the Rebbe became the, the Rebbe. We'll talk a little bit about that. But also talk a little bit about the Parsha first, the Parsha's bow. And of course, uh, we learn about the rest of the uh, plagues. As you can see, seven of the plagues are in the portion of Vaera, and three of the plagues are in the portion of Bo. Uh, the way uh, it's divided, and we, I believe we mentioned last week, I'm not sure, but I believe we did, that the um, ten plagues basically corresponded to the ten spherot, uh, of the ten clipot, and the way it's divided is there is three uh, parts to the intellect, which is called the Chachma Binadat, um, and then then you have the seven emotion, which is Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzach, Hod, Yusoy, Malchus. So it also divides up uh, like the first seven parts, that's why it's broken up this way, the first seven that deals with the emotional part of the klipot of the Egypt is in Parsha Veira, and the three from the intellect is in the portion of Parsha's bow. Um, but one of the things, I think, the uh, after the we have the, the plagues, we finally come to the redemption. God beats, uh, the finally we have the Makas Bechoros, and... At that day, the Torah says, Now, one of the things we say in our prayers, and I just wanted to stop and discuss this a little bit, uh, we say it on the, play, the prayers from the verse, which Hashem says, God says through the prophets, He says, I remember your the kindness of your youth, that you followed me into the desert in a land which has not been sown. Um, you know, this, if you think about it, so here you have uh, 600,000 people. That's the number we get. We get about 600,000 people. That's the men, you know, starting from the age of 20 and uh, till, 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 you know, but there was a lot of women, there was a lot of children, there was... So you're talking about several million people, you're talking all together. Now, all the people uh, are going out of Egypt. Where are they going to? Well, Moshe Rabbeinu promised them that they're going to go into the land of, of, of Israel. But it took an endless amount of faith, an endless amount of belief, in Moshe Rabbeinu and in the ability uh, of Moshe Rabbeinu to fulfill the promise that Hashem has promised them for the Jewish people to go ahead and leave a settled place and to go into the desert where there is Eretz Lezeruah. There's no, there's no food and there's nothing to drink. You see, you know, we always complain about the Jewish people. Well, they complain to Hashem, we want water, we want uh, food. But if you look, they only started to complain once there was no food or not, nothing else to drink left. It's not like they had a plan or, you know, today we make plans, long-term plans for the future. 
and uh, we try to, you know, have a nice portfolio, we want to have a nice retirement, we want to have a nice... We, 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 we try to secure our future. And here you have a couple of million people just going out on the word of, of, of Moshe Rabbeinu, and they're going out. It, what does this demonstrate to us? A tremendous amuna and a tremendous bitochen, a tremendous trust in Hashem. And it's that trust in Hashem that the Jewish people possess, which really is demonstrated over and over again. You know, when you look at the Jewish people today, if we did not have that strong amuna, if we did not have that strong trust and belief in Hashem, then we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. I mean, because the Jewish people have had enough sorrows and they've had enough reasons, so to speak, to say, you know what, let's look for something else. You know, this is not, this is not easy. But yet, you see that the Jewish people are strong. They believe in Hashem. They believe in the Torah. It's the strength of the Amuna that we have, which is ingrained, which is part of our fiber, which is part of who we are. And perhaps this will explain another thing. It says before the redemption, it says that Hashem brought them the plague of darkness. So why the plague of darkness? Now, you know, a lot of, a lot of the plagues, you know, have reasons, have rationalization. Rashi doesn't always explain why a certain plague was done. Rashi gives us a little example in the beginning, uh, how you uh, battle an army, and we, we said about this Sefirot, but very different explanation. But over here Rashi asks, why did God make the plague of darkness? Why did God make the plague of darkness? And uh, Rashi explains that there were some Jewish people um, that didn't want to go out. Some Jewish people who actually didn't believe Moshe Rabbeinu. God wasn't going to take them out. You see, a person who doesn't want to go out is not going to be forced to go out, which means God gives him the freedom of choice. You have to see, like we give an example, we say, on Yom Kippur. So we know, on Yom Kippur, we are forgiven, even if we made mistakes, we're forgiven. How could Yom Kippur forgive? Why does Yom Kippur forgive? Because on Yom Kippur, it is revealed a deeper connection to Hashem, which sort of wipes away all the sins, all the negative, all the bad things we did. So it's the revelation of a deeper connection to our soul, which removes all the blemishes, all the bad stuff. But it says the person at least needs to believe in Yom Kippur that Yom Kippur removes the sins. But what happens if he doesn't believe in Yom Kippur? Then Yom Kippur doesn't forgive for him. That's why minimally we say you have to fast in Yom Kippur. Because even if you don't do anything else, but at least you fast in Yom Kippur, you're at least you're saying... I believe that Yom Kippur is a day of atonement, that if you fast, you get forgiven. So at least you have to have that. If you, have to, if, you have, if you don't have that, you're not allowing for um, 
that special day. Yom Kippur is a special day which gives you um, the, that extra level of, of connection to Hashem to forgive of everything else. But you're not allowing for that day to approach you because you're not observing that day, because you're not fasting at the day, because you're not observing that day. So you're, you're, you're sort of standing in the way. The Jewish people at least had to believe that they were going to go out. So it's very, something that's very interesting. You find that Hashem said, why is he making the darkness? So that the evil people who don't want to go out shouldn't have to go out. So they'll die during the Makas Choshech. Why? So the other, the Egyptians won't say, hey, you know, we're being beaten, the Jewish people are being beaten, we're all being beaten, so we're not separate special. But Hashem didn't, was was upset with them, but he didn't want the Egyptians to celebrate, and they didn't want them to think that the Jews are in the same category as the Egyptians. So during the, the plague, Hashem basically took them away. Now, does that mean that Hashem took away all the evil people? Well, no, we find, you know, we find Dosan Vaviram, we find the people, we find people in the desert, the Erev Rab, they caused a lot of trouble, the mixture of the people, there weren't everybody. So the question is, how did they uh, escape? How come if they were Rishoyim, if they were evil people, so why didn't they die in the three days of the darkness? And the answer is that they may have done a lot of other things wrong, but at least they believed in the exodus of Egypt. They believed, in other words, they at least had that much of belief in themselves that they wanted to go out of Egypt. The other people that didn't want to go out of Egypt actually didn't have the merit to go out of Egypt. That's why they didn't go, because they didn't want to go. And those were things that Hashem gave them the option. And He says, if you choose not to go, okay, then don't go. And uh, you can stay in Egypt. But those people, even if they were Rishayim, even if they were did other bad things, but because they had that level of Amun. And this is what we're talking about before the giving of the Torah. At that point, there were choices because people didn't want to be Jewish then or they didn't want to go out of Egypt. They didn't want to be part. They had a choice. But after the Torah was given to the Jewish people, we all stood by Mount Sinai, then we don't have any more choices. Then we are connected to Hashem with an eternal connection. I mean, we have a choice whether we can do the mitzvahs or not do the mitzvahs, but... That's up to us. But we don't have a choice whether we want to be connected to Hashem or not. Hashem is, we're connected with Hashem. If we are Jewish, we were born Jewish, then in, inherently we're connected. We can't opt out. We're not asked uh, a question. Do you want to be Jewish or you don't want to be Jewish? If you're, Jew, if you're born Jewish, then you're Jewish. That's it. It's not going to help you. It doesn't, it's not up to you. You don't have a choice in the matter. So... Before Matan Torah, while they were in Egypt, those Rishoyim, those people who said that we're not going out. But now we can't say we're not going out. We're connected. We're connected, inherently connected with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why it is also so important for the people to demonstrate their amun and belief in Hashem. 
and we see this all the time because a lot of times you know people have a lot of issues and questions and 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 and, and problems with 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 the Yiddish guy they don't understand and you know we each one have you know certain ideas that we have our culture our upbringing our natural uh, feelings the way we look at things you know we have certain things and uh, and a lot of things it's hard for us to accept you know different people have you know a lot of times people that come out shuva or they want to they want to but then there are certain mitzvahs that they find very hard they find very hard to do there's certain mitzvahs they're used to a certain in a certain way they have a hard time you know whether it's giving up you know sometimes food sometimes the dress sometimes the there are a million different things so they want to do teshuva but sometimes something is hard as I heard from the Rebbe once said that uh, it was an elderly couple uh, who uh, decided they had gone away from Yiddishkeit and they decided that they want to sort of come back so what does a Jewish person come back how does he come back the first thing you need is a Jewish calendar because you got to know when it's Shabbos, when is uh, Pesach, when is uh, Shavuos, you have to know what's the... Okay, so they go out and they get in the store of calendar, and they take a look at the calendar. So they take a look, it's a week before Pesach. It's a week before Pesach. So he comes to his wife, he tells his wife, listen, the Pesach is going to be in a week. She says, oh, you give out Pesach, I don't have the koyach to go clean and make the house Pesach. Like, Let's do tshuva after Pesach. <laughs> so at least we'll save ourselves the trouble of cleaning and all the hardship of Pesach. But it's a joke. Why? Because if you don't tshuva, you do whatever you need to do. But certain things are hard. Cleaning for Pesach is a, is a major hardship. So people have hardship. But just like in the time, in time, now sometimes people have a hard time a certain mitzvah which, by the way, we know that sometimes things that are hard for you, it's actually a sign that it's very important for you. It's actually a sign that it's very meaningful. And that's why you're having a hard time overcoming that is because that is actually something which um, they say that the uh, first man, Adam Harishon, he was put in the Garden of Eden, right? Ehad was Torah said Hashem planted himself. Hashem Hashem planted a garden in Eden, right? And there was all it was beautiful looking and tasty, it was the most the most beautiful garden. Nobody can make a garden like Hashem. The Garden of Eden was beautiful, it was all. Shem says to Adam, Mikola Itzagon Tikal. You can eat from all, all the trees. The only thing, there's one tree. Don't eat from that tree. Okay? Don't eat. Because you will die once you eat from the tree of the Eitzadas. So, somebody who's going to ask you a question, say... So if you have everything available for you, you have all the treats and all the sweets and you have all the cookies and all, you're talking about one, 
particular item and say, don't touch that. So why would Adam why would Adam fail like that and eat that one fruit that Hashem told him not to eat? Why, 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 why did this happen? So it has to be because it was so important because the Yetzirah knew that man's life existence it's either going to be Moist Thomas, people are going to die or they're going to live forever so it was so important to the Yetzirah that Adam fails so therefore he employed the all kinds of persuasion and tricks and all kinds of uh, pushing he pushed Adam through Chava and he ate he failed why? Because it was most important, something which is so important for Adam not to eat that one tree. That's where the Eight Sahara comes, so that in our lives the same thing is true. A lot of times where we have the most hard time is because to us that's the most important. It's very, very important for us, for our spiritual level, for our, even sometimes our physical things, sometimes challenges on the physical level are also the same way because that's perhaps something very very important you know to uh, to for a person to achieve greatness holiness closeness to hashem or even success so sometimes there is that bump that doesn't allow you to uh, makes it hard for you so we have uh, the um, the amuna trying to get the amuna of the uh, of the Yidden uh, staying in uh, going in uh, there following Hashem without any without any real security without any knowing. We, we have uh, in our generation we're also following basically the leaders of our generation the Moshe Rabbeinu we follow the Rebbe we follow the Tzadikim because in our generation is also we have a lot of hardship, if it's not for the amuna that we have in our hearts, that we believe and trust Hashem, we wouldn't go out. But we need to have, we need to display that amuna, just like the Yidden in Mitzrayim. They needed to want to go out at least, in order to merit to go out. We need to want to go out in order for us to merit to go out. After Matan Torah, we're all connected. We're in there whether we like it or not. So therefore, the Rebbe actually pushed very strongly that people should want Mashiach to believe in Mashiach because that's part of the process, wanting for Mashiach to come, wanting the redemption, believing in the redemption, knowing that the redemption will come, that brings the redemption, that hastes the redemption. This is the chus of the Amuna, this is the chus of that belief. Now, when you say you believe in something, it means that you're challenged, but you still believe in it. When you trust in Hashem, if it was easy, then you don't have to need a muna. Then you don't need. Uh, when do you have? We talk about when you have bitochen. What does it mean to trust in Hashem? When a person is has like plan A, plan B, and plan C. He says, "What happens is, okay, if I don't have enough money to pay my bills, uh, so plan B, you know, I can go to my brother and ask him to help me out." Uh, plan C, if he doesn't help me out, I have uh, 
uh, my mother-in-law, which will not do, I'll go to here. Well, you know, you have various plans, but those are not bitochan, those are not trusting. Those are really, you know, you, you have in the back of your mind, you know, if this doesn't work, that will work, you know, I have, I have a plan. But what happens with the Jewish people, as we're going to read, the Egyptians were coming from behind, the water was in front, and there was nowhere to go. So there's no plan. There's no plan. There's no, there's no way out. There's no solution to the problem. And yet they have the bitochem. That means that logically, in your cognitive way, we don't know. We don't have a way out. If you ask us about the exile, with the Egypt, uh, our present exile, we, we don't see a way out so easily. It doesn't, it doesn't add up that much. And how many, as we talked about, how many people would really want to go out? Let's say if Mashiach came today and said, come on, we're going out of Golos. First, they'd have to change our hearts and uh, say that, you know what, let's go. I mean, a lot of people, it uh, depends if you're successful, if you have everything, you think that you have everything good. Maybe you're not going to want to leave because, you know, you have everything good. If you have troubles, maybe you're hoping for a better future. Maybe you say, okay, let me give this a shot. Or there, uh, maybe you might say, I want to see the... The resume, tell me what's in there, you know, what's the, you know, tell me exactly what to anticipate. But the Yidin didn't have any of that. The Yidin trusted. They trusted Hashem. It was the schus of the Amunah. Look, two million people, several million people going out in the desert without food, without drinks. And they waited till the last moment until they started to complain, to ask, you know, and even that was considered to be like challenging Hashem. But they didn't have any plan. They didn't know where they're going to get all these things. And yet, this is the the great zechus, the great privilege um, for, for the people. But we are challenged today with that. And we said everybody has that particular challenge which challenges them, which is something which is... When we have a challenge, what it means, it means that it's, 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 it's difficult for us in, in, in a lot of ways. Whether we're talking about something specific, as mentioned before, talking about we have, have a hard time getting up in the morning, or I have a hard time concentrating in my davening, in my prayers, I have a hard time uh, not to speak bad about other people, not to gossip, I have a hard time not feeling envy in my heart about other people, I have a hard time uh, uh, judging people favorably, you know, I am a negative, I have a hard time. So people have different hard times. Now, a lot of times, uh, what happens is that the more you sort of uh, do uh, negative things, the more it becomes into the habit, the more it becomes into a, it becomes into sort of an addiction, because you keep on doing it over and over again. It gets harder to break loose. And the same thing is, when you have a certain idea, if you think about it all the time, you're sort of reinforcing, you're reinforcing the idea. So, you can't change your idea all of a sudden, but starting to think differently, starting to behave differently, starting to uh, believe more in Hashem, you're not going to all of a sudden, openly, all of a sudden, start believing in Hashem in a full, and there's various levels in believing in Hashem too. As we said, uh, you know, everybody in a certain level believes in Hashem. I remember during the Six Day War, I mean, I was a young, a young student at the time. I remember during the Melchemet Sheshet Hayamim, I remember that uh, 
even the biggest atheists, the people that said they don't believe in God and they don't believe in nothing, you know, the way when they came to the Kotel, when they freed the Kosla Maravi, when they came to, they all, you can see, oh, they all opened up their hearts, their minds, they became, because they do have that level of amuna, but it's not enough to keep them uh, going. That's why we say, like uh, the Gomorrah gives the famous example, we mentioned that, that a thief can be standing trying to break into somebody's house and he's praying to God, God, help me that they don't catch me. So he's trying to break into somebody's house and <laughs> he's praying to God. So you say, hey, you know what? You know, God doesn't let you break in somebody's house. So why are you praying to Hashem uh, to help you? Uh, if you're praying to Hashem, it means that Hashem sees what you're doing. He can help you. So why are you breaking in? And if you're breaking in, it means you don't believe in God. So why are you praying to God? Well, really, we're all guilty of that because we know a lot more. We don't all do. So there's a level of amuna which is above us, which is makif, which is surrounding. We all we have that amuna. So like I say, like in the time of the Six-Day War or special occasions, you know, when we come across a certain situation, we sort of open up and it's either, it works both ways. Sometimes something very good happens to us or we feel very good. We get like uh, an injection of a new energy and a new life and a new belief. Sometimes when something bad happens, you know, you get, so it's, but we all have that level of amuna, but sometimes we don't, doesn't, we don't act on that amuna, but we have to have, but the, we have to train ourselves to start, you know, uh, uh, believing. And if, 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 we, if we keep on telling ourselves, or we keep on trying to daven, we tre- keep on trying to do good, we keep on trying to, to better ourselves, so slowly but surely we do, we accomplish. And the same thing is the opposite way. If we continuously uh, repeat bad behavior or bad things, we actually become more and more addicted to it. It gets, it gets a lot more difficult. It also explains, I believe we talked about it last year during this parsha. Uh, it also explains like what was going on with Pharaoh because on one hand it seemed like uh, it, it seemed like Pharaoh on one hand um, what? We have to have Amuna in God and we have to have Amuna in but that's part of yes, that's a, that's part of the Muna uh, and Hashem and the Torah of Hashem. We can't really separate it because part of Hashem's Torah, part of our religion, is also believing in the coming of Mashiach, yeah. and that's also part of the belief. And I was, first, I was talking about the trust of leaving Egypt that they have there. The same thing is we need to trust to leave our Egypt. Our goal is now. But then I'm, now I'm going over to talk about in generally uh, of Amuna and Hashem, and in a general sense to trust Hashem for for everything in your life, not just about the uh, not only about the redemption. Because what it mainly was, I was going to get to the point that um, the more we, uh, we 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 train ourselves to change our thoughts, the more we can accomplish, and the more we dwell in negativity, we become more negative. We, we just keep on uh, sort of uh, dwelling on the same things and it makes it worse for us. I was trying to explain what we see by Pharaoh. You see, in Pharaoh, Hashem says, 
I'm going to make his heart heavy. And then Hashem says, okay, uh, you're going to get punished because you're not letting the Jews out of Egypt. So, you know, Rashi says the Rambam, everybody's asking the question, I mean, why would God punish him if God makes his heart heavy? He's not really giving him a choice. It means that he doesn't have a choice in the matter. It seems like Hashem says, I'm going to harden your house, and Hashem, I harden his heart, and he's not going to let the Jewish people out. Hashem is saying it to, uh, to, to Moshe, that power is not going to let him out because I'm going to make his heart heavy. And then Hashem says, you know, I'll beat up on him. And, uh, you know, in the, part, in the verse we start, Hashem says, I'm going to mock the Egyptians because he's not going to, uh, you know, he's going to want to free you, but he can't free you because I'm not letting him. So what's going on over here? So why would he be punished uh, if, uh, why would he, he, he be suffering because he's not letting them out when God is not letting them out? It seems like, I mean, what kind of a game is this? Okay, but it's a game, you know, that, so the Rebbe says something interesting. The Rebbe says, and this is true in everybody's life as well, the Rebbe says that it wasn't that in the beginning God made his heart heavy. He actually did it on his own. In the beginning, he just didn't want. He was an evil person. I mean, he had the choice. But what happened is because he repeated himself so much time in his the negative ways until he actually... Uh, became sort of addicted to his ways. It's almost like saying that when a person gambles or drinks or does something so many times, and then he says he can't stop. So he says, I don't have any more choices. So the truth of the matter is, you caused it, number one, you caused it to yourself because you kept on doing it once and twice. So it's not the same thing. Somebody drinks once in a while or sometimes, okay. Somebody maybe gambles sometime. Again, I'm not saying you're allowed to gamble ever, but whatever. If you do that, we can understand. But if you keep on doing it over and over again, you're going to get addicted. And if you get addicted to it, it's going to be very hard. Paro got addicted to his evilness. So even though when Hashem says, I'll make his heart heavy, basically Hashem is saying, you're going to be addicted to, to what you're doing. And we know, if you come to somebody who is... Uh, addicted, has an addiction and you tell them just get over it it's very hard, you can't just get over it you can tell them, just you know just stop, just stop playing and just, just come on, stop drinking you know, he says well, I can't now he can't, I mean, of course he could there's no thing you can't a person's mind is in control in other words, if you make a decision just like the people that say I can't lose weight, I can't do this. If you want, you could. There's no such a thing. Nobody can stop you. It's extremely hard, yes. It's extremely difficult, yes. That's not a question, but it's nothing you can't. I have to be evil because my Yetzirah is taking over, so therefore I have no choice. There's no such thing. God is giving you a freedom of choice. God says you could do. If you want, you could. You don't have to. It's very difficult, yes. Pharaoh had a very Pharaoh had a very hard time because he's already so much into his evil that he just that was part of his behavior. So he couldn't. So when Hashem makes his heart heavy, it doesn't mean like he can't do it. It just makes that it's very super super difficult for him. It says in the Tanya. It says like for example, it gives a Tanya. It says like this that if somebody says, you know what, you can always do teshuva. It says you can always repent. But he says, but if somebody said, for example, 
uh, I'm going to sin, and then I'll do tshuva. He says, oh, he's, once, he says like this, you know what, I like you know, this is a nice piece of meat over there, it's not kosher, but you know what, let me eat it, I'll have a good time, and later on, I'll say to Hashem, sorry, I really feel sorry, and I'll do teshuva. So then it says, well, we don't, he doesn't get the opportunity to do teshuva, it says. He doesn't get the opportunity. Why? Because it turns out that the reason for his sin is the teshuva. Which means, because he thought he could do teshuva, that's why he allowed himself to eat the not kosher piece of meat. So the teshuva is the reason for his sinning. Because the only reason he went and ate the piece of meat is because he knew that he can do teshuva. So if the teshuva causes him to violate this, so then he can't do the teshuva. That's like saying, if you're not going to go out of Mitzrayim, if you don't believe in Amis, you're not going to go out of Mitzrayim. If you don't think, if you're, if you're using that as a reason, then that's why uh, you can't do teshuva. It's a similar idea in the other way around. We say that somebody who's done uh, sins um, and then he does teshuva, his sins become his mitzvahs. Why? If he does a proper teshuva, a very great level of teshuva, his sins will become mitzvahs. You know the joke I say, it's not a joke, it's a story, I'm not sure if it's true or not. They say about the holy Bardich of a Rebbe, he would always uh, find... Uh, something nice to say about old people. He never always sounds something nice. And he'd never, uh, never be critical. He would judge everybody favorably. Always find something nice there. So one time, Yom Kippur, he walks out of shul, and he sees there's a young Jewish fellow who he knew eating a sandwich and smoking a cigarette on Yom Kippur. And the Baditsha Rebbe says uh, to him, he says, Ah, you must have forgotten today that today is Yom Kippur. You must have forgotten. He says, No, Rebbe, Rebbe, I know today is Yom Kippur. I know, I know. So the Rebbe says, You know what? You must have forgotten that you're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. He says, No, Rebbe, I know that you're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. Rebbe Stuckner, Rebbe raises his hand and says, look, Hashem, look what a wonderful people. Look at this guy. He smokes and he eats on Yom Kippur. He still won't lie. <laughs> he won't lie. But then the Rebbe said to him, you know what? I envy you. It's this story, another story, but the Rebbe says, I envy you. He says, Rebbe, you're holy tzaddik. You envy me such a Big Russia, such an evil person like I am, what is there to envy about me? He says, guess what? If you do teshuva, then all the sins that you've done will turn into mitzvahs. Can you imagine? You've done so many averes. <laughs> can you imagine? I can be doing mitzvahs all my life. I'll never catch up to all the averes that you've done, and they'll all of a sudden turn into mitzvahs. Eh, he says, Rabbi, don't worry. You'll see me next year, you'll envy me even more. <laughs> Why is it that a mitzvah 
turns into a anavera turns into a mitzvah when you do teshuvah. Why is that? And the answer is because if you've done an avera, your teshuvah is with more force. A person who is going on the straight path all the time isn't as forceful with his devotion and his yearning to Hashem as somebody who's coming from the other side. It's with comes. It's like if you take a tree and you pull it to you and then you let it go, it'll shoot out very far. If you pull it from always this direction, it'll go further the other direction. Slingshot, the further you pull it back, the farther it goes. The person who pulls himself back to the other side goes with more force to Hashem. So, it turns out why are you so close to Hashem? It's the Averis that you did. Because the Averis distant you, and that distant, that pull that you pulled back is what gives you the impetus to go much stronger. So therefore, it's actually a credit. Those become the mitzvahs because those negative actually help you now to achieve your greatness. If not for those negatives, you would not be today so great. It's only based upon your your mistakes that made you now great after you do the shuvah. So the other way it works, it works the other way around as well. If the only reason why you're going to do anavera is because you know that you could do teshuva later, so what's the cause for your anavera? The teshuva, so you're not going to be able to do teshuva later. But the Alter Rebbe writes, dochak v'nichnas, that if you push your way in, doesn't say you're not going to be able to do teshuva. It just says, in my speaking biyoda, you don't get the opportunity to do teshuva, which basically means it's a lot harder to do teshuva. If you did a sin, if you ate not kosher because you think that later on you're going to do teshuva, it's going to be hard for you to do teshuva. God is not going to provide you an easy opportunity to do teshuva. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to do teshuva. If you push your way in, you're going to be able to do teshuva then too. And the same thing the Rebbe says also took place here with Pharaoh. Pharaoh could do teshuva if he wanted even though Hashem says, I have this heart, He's not going to let him out, it means that on the level of, uh, of all people, He's going to have a hard time letting go. But it's not because of, uh, it's not because He doesn't have a choice. He still had the choice, and He had to make the right choices. Um, so all of us, for sure now and nowadays, because we have, uh, we have the Torah, we have the extra power that the Torah gives us, and we have our inherent connection to Hashem. So we have invisible and inherent powers within ourselves to stay strong and to stay with our belief, to stay with our trust to Hashem. That notwithstanding the sort of reality that comes appears we call reality to our eyes we don't waver and look i mean look 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 at our history look people in the recent the holocaust look people in israel look people in i mean look people live their lives with total self-sacrifice devotion to hashem with belief in hashem the torah every day people live in outposts and places that are dangerous they're protecting Eretz Yisrael. They're protecting the Jewish people. They're protecting the Torah. They are committed. People, every every single day, they're putting their hands, 
their lives in their hands. They're, they're just, it's only because of the trust and the belief in Hashem, in the Amuna. I mean, they had enough reasons to be disappointed, enough reason to be... Um, you know, I saw, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, the neighborhood that I lived in all of a sudden took a turn to the bad. You know, you had some elements moved in, you know, politically correct. I don't know what you're supposed to say. We used to call them Schwarzes. Today, there's not a lot to say that because today, uh, today it's African Americans, whatever. But you know, no, no. So, but the neighbor turned. It turned. It was there's mugging and and rapes and, and and all kinds of all kinds of terrorists. It was like, and you know, the Rebbe says we're not we're not going anywhere. We're staying in the neighborhood. So. You had some people, and uh, you had some people that lived in the faraway corner. So some people moved right away to the center, and where the good area was, and you know they didn't have to, uh, you know, go in any places. But my father, may he rest in peace with my mother, we lived as we called in the outskirts on Al Asfar at that time. Today already, it's unbelievable that. You can't buy a house for two million dollars in the <laughs> in the in the worst neighborhood over there. But I'm saying at that time it was a different time. It was a different different period. But the reason why I'm saying it, you had people which trusted Moshe Rabbeinu, trusted the Rebbe, trusted the Rebbe's promise that the neighbor is going to get better, that it's going to be this is the right thing to do, even though it came at a tremendous price. It's so sacrifice. People believe they believe in Hashem. That this is something which is our heritage. This is believe. This is our history. We trusted in Hashem through all, through persecutions, through all kinds of, uh, of troubles and uh, all kinds of uh, difficult times. We had that Amuna. What do we see in our Parsha at the end of the day? Yes, there were some casualties here and there. There were those that didn't refuse to go. They didn't end up going. But that was before Matan Torah. Now we're all going. So we have to work and make sure that we give over that sense of devotion and love to Hashem to other people, that other people also feel experienced out there. They too should, should love God. They too should feel, because they do have that amuna. They don't even know. I said, I talked to somebody, they say they feel nostalgic. And they say, how could you feel nostalgic about something that you never knew? <laughs> so you can't feel it. They have somehow, they know it, but they don't know it consciously, because... Even a Jew has no education, has no knowledge that he's a chosen part of the chosen people, that he has an neshama, that he has... just wanted to uh, demonstrate, this is demonstrated by the previous Rebbe's life. The previous Rebbe passed on, and he had a legacy of mysterious nefesh. Total self-sacrifice for Hashem. And he was a, a dedicated servant of Hashem. And the Rebbe looked up to his father-in-law as his role model, and the Rebbe was a totally devoted to his father-in-law, to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe is sort of one continuous uh, flow, basically, from the previous Rebbe to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe was totally devoted to his father-in-law. And the leadership of the Rebbe, which the Rebbe tried not to accept upon himself, but again, he was chosen in Yudshvat and from the heavens, they wanted him to be like the Baal Shem Tov. He didn't want to be revealed. The Rebbe too didn't want to accept that. But 
both the Rebbe and the previous Rebbe, they had tremendous self-sacrifice for their Amunah. And it's not only that they have Tzadik Bemunosa Yichia, that a righteous one lives with his Amunah, but being a shepherd, a faithful shepherd, they fed the Amunah to their generation. So the Rebbe fed the Amunah, the belief in Mashiach, the belief in Hashem, the belief in Torah, the belief in Eretz Yisrael, the belief in Yiddishkeit. That was the Rebbe's Amunah that fed us. That was the previous Rebbe and the Rebbe's Amunah that kept on feeding us. Which means, what does it mean feeding? Because we, we forget. It's buried. It's deep in us. Feed the Amunah means have the Amunah function. So we shouldn't be like that thief who's standing by the door trying to break in just knows that there's God, but to actually, what we believe should be in an open way in our lives, we should live by that belief, we should live with that conviction, that's a much harder uh, belief, it's a belief that changes one's actions and one's life so, uh, as Yutzvat is coming up, and uh, really uh, we should um, reflect and think about both the previous Rebbe and the Rebbe, you know, both of their unyielding Messiris Nefesh determination to bring the Divine Presence into this world and bring Mashiach into this world, which would be the ultimate Yula. This is what they fought for their, all their lives. And Messiris Nefesh expressed itself in various different ways. The previous Rebbe had a lot of physical and... Um, disturbances from the governments, from the different places where he lived, and the Rebbe had his mysterious nefesh totally giving up everything for the benefit of Klal Yisrael to, to lead Klal Yisrael. We are today here because of the Amuna that the Rebbe feeds us, continues to feed us, so as Yitzvat is coming up, that's next week, the Yitzvat is a time to reflect on that and a time to connect, to appreciate and to hopefully Try to follow in the derech, in the way, in the teaching, and to be good Jews, to be good to each other, good to Hashem, and pray and want and demand. We want Mashiach now, and Hashem will send us Mashiach, build us the base of Mikdash. May